0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold, welcome. To the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, come over there and join us. It's a fantastic community. There are dozens of people who are sending me direct messages every day with information, intelligence, well wishes for my wife and I as the baby approaches, folks. For all of you that have been sending me those, thank you very much. My wife appreciates it as well. Uh, We just had a meeting this evening with one of our midwives, and everything is going good. So the baby is expected in the next probably 24 to 48 hours. So keep your uh, fingers crossed and keep uh, praying for us. We really do appreciate that, folks. Honestly, from the very bottom of my heart, many of you have reached out, and it means the world to us. It really does. It's so... um, Humbling to know that there is a community of folks out there, really friends and family of this show, who really do care about us. So thank you for that. I thank you to everyone who has joined Payne.tv slash gold. As you know, you get access to the ad-free video version of this show, as well as the Thomas Payne podcast, and you get to communicate with each other on a Facebook-like application. You can create groups. There's people who share information on gardening, on all sorts of topics. So uh, it's worth it. It, folks it's worth the eight dollars and change also to everyone who has left a five-star review on apple podcast thank you very much thank you for the comments please continue to do that because it does help us again the show is growing every day it's like it'll hit a certain level it's it's crazy i'm trying not to be addicted to the analytics but to see how many people are actually listening is pretty amazing it makes me feel really good that the work that i'm doing here is worth it and then when I see you guys tagging me at pain.tv gold and on Twitter and sharing information with me that relates to the stuff we're studying and you're really getting it and understanding it. That just makes me feel like what I do here is worth it for me uh, throughout my entire career. Um, I have to be doing something that has meaning, not just that makes money. And throughout my career, I have actually made a lot less money than I could have because there are certain jobs I won't take. If I don't feel like I'm making a difference or I don't really love what I'm doing, it just doesn't mean anything to me. I don't do things just for money. It's just always the way that I've been. So, thank you very much for that, folks. We really appreciate it. All right, I want to start off tonight just letting you know I had a couple conversations with Wide Awake Jim. We're getting ready to do the second part of the series that we started with episode 80. He's got a lot of information. He's going to be explaining the Bank for International Settlements, the International Money Fund, and a number of those organizations that really control the flow of capital and control the resources he's going to break that down for us i've been going deep 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 into the history of the new deal connected to technocracy franklin roosevelt's brain trust which was comprised of some technocrats been getting deep into the origins of modern uh eugenics and i'm going to be able to show you how technocracy has really grown into the new brand of sustainable development or climate change some of these other hustles that they run and how eugenics has become transhumanism going to show you how that all works and ties together. I'm getting deep into the founding of the Federal Reserve. Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, is working on that. There's some bankers that we have identified that were connected into technocracy. So we're working on that timeline for you. And the founding of the Federal Reserve back in 1913 plays into this big picture as well. As always, it looks like it's the Rockefellers, it's bankers behind a lot of this stuff. So we're just trying to put all those pieces together. There are a lot of... Um long papers that were written over the years, two, three, four hundred pages that I've been finding and reading through. And then every one of those references, 20, 30, 40, 50 books. Jim has his own library. He's been buying more books. So we're digging through as much as we can. I think Jim's going to be on a hot wire with Mike Moore, the Thomas Paine podcast in the next day or two to talk about sound investing opportunities in this type of system. Uh, That's pretty much how He got into researching this stuff. And so he's going to talk about some of that, things you can do in your life to try to insulate yourself, to be able to invest some money, to try to at least stay up to speed with inflation. So that's going to be great. I don't know all the details. Mike's producing that, but Jim, let me know that he's going to be doing that. So when that comes out, I'll let you guys know so you can get over to the Hotwire and listen. I'll be listening. And then Jim will eventually talk about some of that on the Dustin Gold Standard in the coming. So we've got a lot planned, several episodes that we're going to be working on, and we're going to be tying my work into his work and then bringing Maria's work into this. So it's going to be a lot. It's a group effort, and I'm really blessed to have those people on my research team right now. Uh, Jim and Maria are just fantastic researchers, and all of us have different skill sets and and different uh, interests in the type of topics that we research, but to find how it all connects is just frustrating frankly, fascinating, as far as I'm concerned. And I think all of the information we're bringing you uh, has value, folks. We have to understand uh, where we came from, and then understand what's going on today. And if we look at the original blueprints, It allows us to figure out exactly what they're implementing in the moment, and then we can start to predict what's going to happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now based on what those original blueprints were. And what we've already discovered here is that technocracy is really just intertwined in our culture right now. What we've been able to put together is that the so-called technocratic movement really grew out of socialism, communism, Marxism, progress. Progressivism and then fascism. And so all those guys eventually united under this political theory of technocracy, which is social engineering, the science of social engineering, and then the ability to control the so uh, social mechanism uh, of the means of production and and distribution it is also a system of total control with no individualism allowed inside of that system and then what i found is that technocracy back in the uh, 1920s and really it's influenced by guys coming out of the late 1800s you can see that They were hand in hand with the eugenicists, the folks that believed in eugenics and basically racial breeding and weeding out the unfit folks. We're going to get into some of that tonight. And so now we can see that eugenics evolved into transhumanism and technocracy really evolved into the worldwide climate change sustainable development models and the whole hashtag of trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. So all the pieces are coming together. And I think as we can see, technocracy really, we're living inside of the matrix of technocracy. People don't understand, they don't realize that we are not living in the George Washington version of, of America, what we were taught in school uh, was a fictitious, ver, fictitious version of the founding. If you want to learn more about that, listen to Legal Man on his podcast, The Quash. But I will tell you, let, let's just take for face value that what we learned in school was hundred percent accurate. Well, what they don't get into are all the moments throughout our history, big events that caused a provoked reaction of the populace that then led to solutions that allowed them to weave in elements of technocracy, this system of total control. So what I'm gonna to do tonight before we get into eugenics and before we talk a little bit more about Rexford Guy Tugwell, this technocrat who ended up up being the lead thinker for fdr's brain trust that developed the new deal which had all of these elements of technocracy embedded inside of it and i will give you my input on some theories i have about how howard scott the founder of technocracy incorporated fits into this what we're going to do is i want to start off with this tweet that was put out by Mike Moore on Twitter from his account at Thomas1774Paine P-A-I-N-E and he put this out uh, yesterday at 9.42pm it says the entire system is rigged voting is a sham the map of Pennsylvania is all red voters except for the blue shitholes who the red folks underwrite yet the reds control nothing they vote and have no representation your mistake is treating this like it is a fair setup they con you all right and i responded to mike's tweet and i said lots of folks on this thread are saying population density wins over actual land size in parentheses true in the founding of this country only landowning men voted not saying that's right or wrong but People keep asking what's going on. You don't live in the country based on the founding. So what I'm going to do tonight is I want to break down a few moments in history. Not a lot of stuff, okay? What I'm working on right now is a spreadsheet. I mentioned it yesterday on a problem-reaction-solution loop. So I am going to go through, again, I've said it's going to take me quite a while, but I'm going to go through in cooperation with Maria Albanese and Wide Awake Jim And we are going to put down the top 100 events in our history, the 100 problems that were created. And then we're going to write down the reaction, general reaction from the populace and then the solutions that were put into place. And eventually we're going to be able to show how exactly the elites transformed the country from our founding into what it is today and what you'll realize is the country we are living in today Is not the country of the founding. So, if you want to believe in this fairy tale version of what we learned in school—that our country is this idea of a liberal democracy or this idea of a constitutional republic, this idea of free uh, free market capitalism—we are not in that system. So, when you're looking at something like Mike tweeted here, again, the entire system is rigged. Voting is a sham. The map of Pennsylvania is all red except for the blue shitholes who the red folks underwrite yet the reds control nothing they vote and have no representation your mistake is treating this like it's a fair setup they conned you what mike is saying is true and we're going to explain why that's true but when we're looking at this through the lens of the founding of our country you're going to see So many things have changed since the founding of our country and how the actual system works that you can't win in the system. It's not designed to win, all right? So you have to stop thinking this way. So what Mike is talking about is if you take, let's say, New York and you have New York City and New York City is so gigantic, what does it have, 10, 12, 14 million people now, and it votes blue, but the rest of the state is red, the blue city ends up selecting the main piece, uh, the largest percentage, the majority of the legislature, and then therefore the whole state is governed as blue, well, I'm going to show you how the founders set up the system, and then you'll understand why the system we have now, where you say you are losing in, you can only lose. You can't lose. The way the founders set it up, you would win. Now, There's going to be stuff that's deemed to be controversial because we're going to have to talk about uh, African Americans' right to vote, non landowners' right to vote, women's right to vote, and I don't want to tick off anyone in this audience. So I'm not saying any of these things from the founding to now are right or wrong or how it should be. I'm not taking an opinion on it. The point of this exercise is for me to show you that the country you live in today is not the country that you thought it, that you believe it is, that you believe it is based on the founding the same way i told you that we live inside of a technocracy now we do not live in a constitutional republic so the problem that you're facing when you're sitting there wasting time watching Tucker Carlson or listening to talk radio to Mark Levin or these guys is you are being told that you're living in a constitutional republic and the problem is corrupt democrats well the republicans are just as corrupt as the democrats and if you say well I'd rather have a republican than a democrat then you're just cheering on corruption no matter what what you have to understand is that the country you live in is not the country you believe you live in you are a refugee inside of a system of which you believe is a different system. And I'm going to show you that tonight with proof. A few major things that changed in our country's history that made it into what it is today, which is not the country of George Washington I'm going to show you those things so you can stop banging your head against the wall and worrying about things like this, that Pennsylvania goes blue because of a couple of cities well that's the way it's going to be learn to live with it and then we have to work around it folks and then I'm going to show you a little bit about eugenics going back into the beginning phases of technocracy which is going to set us up, I believe tomorrow I'm going to delve into Uh, transhumanism, tie that back to eugenics. I'm gonna start to work more of these technocratic players at the founding in, start to show you connections into FDR as I begin to piece this together like an investigator. All right, folks, absorb that. When we come back, I will show you the first big scam that changed the way our country's voting worked. You can decide if you agree or disagree, but at least you'll understand. We are not the country that you believe we are, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dustin Gold. I am who you believe I am. I'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Welcome back to TV slash gold. All right, folks, let me show you this. So I have the thread up here from uh, the tweet that Mike Moore sent out. And I want to just read some comments here, folks. This first one is uh, Janet in Florida. And she says, don't be ridiculous. The blue Democratic business areas of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia support the rest of the state by paying taxes. The rest of the state are old and retired people on Social Security. Uh, This person fiery but mostly peaceful says you mean all the economic opportunity zones that get tax breaks those are the ones supporting the rest of the state like philly is supporting Doylestown, and the berg is supporting fox chapel do you know anything about pa at all Okay, then you have the tangerine tantrum, says, LOL. The map of PA, where almost no one lives, is red. Where, are, where there are dense populations of people, it is blue. People count. Land does not. And the cities actually make most of the money, pay most of the taxes. And like always, Republicans are freeloaders. Okay, then you have uh, Larry, parody account not actual larry says it's called gerrymandering and california is completely sold off there are no r's that are not working with the d's to screw us not a one okay and so you have a lot of other areas like this okay somebody puts uh i'm sorry you have a lot of other responses like this somebody puts uh Trixie the pug the blue areas are where the most pennsylvanians live thus they should have control Then Fiery puts in population of Philadelphia, 1.5 million, population of Pittsburgh, 300,000, two most populous cities, total population of PA, 13 million. Clearly, there is another 11 million residents spread out all over the state. So, see, you have people arguing back and forth over this, uh, making arguments based on the population versus the land. And so... I would say over the last 10, 15, 20 years, I don't know, since I've been following elections, you'll always have Fox News, they'll put up the map of the country, or they'll put up a map of a state, and you'll see almost all red and then some blue dots, right? And so if it's a state map, you'll see, for instance, like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, like Mike is talking about, are blue, and everything else is red. Well, first off, I brought on Magdalene Rose, the 22 year old young conservative, tied into politics, uh, more on the ground involved with conservative organizations than probably most of us here in this audience and so she had told me that the truth is that over the years the republicans have basically lied to all of us that there are not 70 percent of people that identify as conservative then we also talked about those that identify as conservative what does that really mean now there's no more fiscal conservatism there's no more social conservatism so what does conservatism even mean nobody really knows what that definition is but let's get back to this point here so if we're supposed to see these maps as all red except the two cities are blue and then people are saying it's not fair the people in the cities end up controlling the whole state because they have denser population therefore they have more representatives both in congress at the national level and in their state uh parties right i mean in the uh, state legislature so let's look at this for a minute you say to yourself well how did the founders?" Uh, deal with an issue like this? Well, first, let's look back to history. So here I'm going to go to history.com. And the reason why I picked this list, I know history.com is not the purveyor of history, but this story is true. The evidence in here, the facts in here are real. So this is under a section called history stories. And it says the exclusionary history of voter registration dates to 1800. In the first presidential election, only white land-owning men were allowed to vote, and some founding fathers wanted to keep it that way. Let me repeat, folks. In the founding of our country... It says in the first presidential election, only white landowning men were allowed to vote, and some founding fathers wanted to keep it that way. So, are you understanding that? Is that what we have today? Is that the system that exists today in 2022? No pretty much everyone could vote, short of some felons and stuff like that, but pretty much everyone could vote. So it says in the first presidential election, only white landowning men were allowed to vote, and some founding fathers wanted to keep it that way. All right, so we don't have that system anymore. So right there, the country that you're living in is not the country that We lived in, or our ancestors lived in, or where we believe we came from, which was the founding of our country. That is a major change in how elections work, right? Let's just continue so you have a full understanding of this. It says, when George Washington was elected as the first U.S. president in 1789, he won with a landslide, securing 69 out of 69 available electoral votes. Well, we have a lot more electoral votes than back then right 69 and 69 is what 138 what do we have now 400 and something i can't even remember doesn't really matter to me because i've disengaged from the process but that has changed right it says here but only a very limited part of the population had actually voted since white property owners were the only group of americans allowed to participate in the election some of the founding fathers wanted to keep it that way john adams warned in a 1776 letter that expanding voting rights to other parts of the population was a quote dangerous and quote idea quote new claims will arise women will demand a vote lads from 12 to 21 will think their rights not enough attended to and every man who has not a farthing will demand an equal voice with any other in all acts of state end quote john adams wrote Okay, you see, this was a debate going on back in the founding of our country at the time, only white landowning men voted. You don't have that system today. So stop thinking that you live in the founding. You don't. You don't. And I'm sure most people don't know this but it'll answer a lot of your questions. You can stop worrying about this because you don't live in that system anymore. It says, despite Adam's misgivings, voting rights did eventually broaden. By 1856, property ownership was no longer a factor. In 1870, African Americans secured the right to vote, followed by women in 1920 and Native Americans in 1924. So see that, between 1856 and 1924, We added almost all the other groups who could then vote. Again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm not taking a stance on this. I am just showing you that the system in which you're living under is not the system in which you believe you live under. You cannot change the rules and then believe you're gonna get the same results. It just doesn't happen. Goes on to say, but a system of state run voter registration, first established in Massachusetts in eighteen hundred, has often proven to be more of a roadblock to would-be voters than an invitation to participate in democracy. Quote, in some places, voter registration was designed to hinder political machines and to make it harder for people to register and to vote, end quote, says Alex Kaiser, a historian at Harvard University and author of the book, The Right to Vote, the contested history of democracy in the United States. Quote, after some early quarrels, the machines generally learned how to cope with new registration rules and made sure that their people were registered and voting. But many immigrant workers and, of course, African-Americans elsewhere were prevented from qu- voting, end quote. See... This is what went on throughout your history. Some of this you learned about in school, but you didn't actually understand that what it did is it completely transformed the system from what it started as in the founding. So you can't believe you're operating in the founding of this country when all these changes occurred. And I would imagine the majority of you would say it's good that non landowning people could vote. It's good that women could vote. It's good that Native Americans could vote. It's good that African Americans could vote, right? I'm sure many of you are actually saying that so you can't say that's good and then complain that we've abandoned the founding because you have to take all those things with you that you don't agree with if you want to keep the founding intact i mean most of you know we had slavery in the founding and then eventually got rid of that well if you want the founding intact you'd have to leave slavery intact. See, so we're not in the same system anymore. All right, I'll just finish this up. It says, the efforts in various states to create voter registration systems did have the stated purpose of bringing, as Kaiser says, quote, honest, fair, and uncorrupted elections, end quote, that voters did benefit from. But voter registration also became a battleground across the nation with vying political factions, manipulating the execution of these laws to favor votes for their side throughout the states voter registries were stalled in legislation in the decades following the creation of the massachusetts system some new england states followed suit but most did nothing until mass efforts in the north after 1860 made registries seem uh, required When the systems were eventually developed, they were mostly confined to large cities. Pennsylvania's 1836 voter registration laws in Philadelphia show how some voter registries ended up limiting voters. Kaiser writes, opponents charged that voter registration created more fraud than it prevented and was intentionally designed to cut down the number of voters in the city, handing control of state legislation to rural voters. It wasn't uncommon for Philadelphia voters to show up at the poll. Only to find their names removed from the official documents. When an attempt was made to make registration statewide, it was easily defeated all right we're not going to go through the rest of this we don't need to folks but what i'm showing you is that the system right the system has completely changed from what you believe was the founding of this country you know what let's actually finish this urban growth and immigration followed the american civil war spurred the establishment of more voter registrations but some charged the drive had more to do with black america Moving north and the desire to suppress their political voice. Wherever voters' registrations were put in place, sneaky attempts to control whose names got on the voter rolls followed. Registration during this post Civil War era was mostly accomplished by going door to door, so it wasn't hard to avoid registering poor citizens and others deemed undesirable by corrupt political parties. And the systems were rife with fraud that allowed for fake registration. Because of the political battles, Meant to fix corruption, registration laws were mostly, to, uh, were most, uh, were typically in constant flux, and voters found it difficult to keep track of how and when to register. Some efforts to limit registration were comically. Restrictive, Kaiser writes, for example, that in 1885, Ohio allowed voters to register on only seven elect days during the year until a court overturned the law. In 1867, New Jersey law stipulated that registration was only allowed on the Thursday before election, and anyone was permitted to dispute a registrant. In neighboring New York City in 1908, voter registration was held on the Jewish Sabbath, and during Yom Kippur as a way of keeping Jews, many of whom were socialists, away. from the polls. Since corruption continued to be a concern, states turned to the idea of having a central, unaffiliated statewide authority oversee elections. In 1913, Nebraska created a permanent registry with an election commissioner that would become the standard model based on Boston and Chicago efforts. By World War I, most states had voter registration laws, but the controversies never went away. In 1920, the 14th Amendment allowed states to decide what crimes would allow the loss of Voting Rights, which Kaiser says has been used to purge large segments of the population, mostly black, from the voter rolls. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 sought to overcome legal barriers at the state and local levels that prevented black Americans from exercising their right to vote. Kaiser estimates that while registration laws have cut down on fraud, they've also dissuaded millions of voters from exercising their right. Quote, any voter registration system is dealing with trade-offs between preventing fraud and making the ballot box accessible end quote Kaiser says quote the devil was and is in the details as we are seeing now in Georgia North Dakota and elsewhere a lot of current controversies have features similar to those in North and the South in the 1890s so what the point of all that folks is to show you that's just a little article and look how complicated this system has been since the founding it's complex it's corrupt there's so many changes you went from only white land-owning men voting to everyone voting and then you ask yourself how the system changed so much you don't live in kansas Anymore, Toto, that is the truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, let me show you another example of where our country has completely changed from the founding that you somehow still think you live in. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold